Again, the, 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 we're in this um, uh, week between Christmas and New Year, and I was thinking about this this week, and I thought, you know, this week is kind of like a, 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 an illustration of the already but the not yet of the kingdom, right? I mean, Christmas is already here where we celebrated Christ's birth. His, you know, we've already, you know, that, 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 has, that came yesterday. We celebrated Christ's birth, but we're not yet to the new year, the coming of the new year. We're not yet to, you know, the turning of the, the month on the calendar. We've got this week in between, and I just thought that was a, a neat um, uh, illustration. You know, we've spent the last four weeks celebrating uh, the season of Advent. You know, we've been looking forward to and anticipating and celebrating the arrival of Christ at Christmas when he was born in, in Bethlehem. And now that he's come, you know, while we keep that in mind and we continue, we should celebrate that every day, we also turn our faces toward what's to come. Because actually, the season of Advent isn't just about looking forward to the birth of Christ. The season of Advent is, always looking, is also looking forward to his return, that he's coming back to this, to this earth. Um, so, you know, in, on the calendar, we're in this season between Christmas and New Year. But in life, we're in the, we're in the, the midst of the season between his birth 2,000 years ago and his much-anticipated return when all things will be made new, all wrongs will be made right, and, you know, and, and, and everything will be as it, as it was meant to be in the Garden of Eden. Everything will be returned to God's original intent. So today we're starting a new series, and I'm calling it Ready or Not, because ready or not, here he comes doesn't matter if we're ready doesn't matter if we're not he's coming whether we you know whether we're ready for it or not and the next few weeks we're going to be centered on looking at things surrounding Christ's return at his second coming you know when Jesus came the first time he came into the world just like every other person he was born as a baby in Bethlehem right although the uh, uh, the circumstances surrounding his birth were anything but ordinary. I mean, to start off, Mary was a virgin when Jesus was born. Um, that's never happened before. And then his birth was announced by an angel who told Mary, also you know, told Mary, this is what you're to name him. You're to name him Jesus, which means salvation or Savior, because he's going to save his people from their sins. And then he went and he, he, he lived his life, you know, doing good. He lived his life healing people. He lived his life delivering people from demonic oppression. He lived his life teaching people about the kingdom of God. And then he was arrested, railroaded through a sham trial. He was crucified, died, and was buried. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. And then he spent the next 40 days on earth appearing to a number of people, a number of followers. And then one day, while standing on the Mount of Olives, talking to his disciples, all of a sudden, they, you know, he just started lifting up into the sky. And his disciples were doing exactly what we would be doing if that happened to us. looking up with their mouths open, you know, just gaping, looking at what in the world. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine, just right here, right now, just think, if, you know, this roof was a, a, 
uh, an open dome like you know the you know, uh, you know, like a football field or something, you know, the roof opens up. And just thinking, we're all here, and we're talking, and we're gathering together. All of a sudden, Don just starts to float up in the air. I mean, wh- what would we be doing? You'd probably run. Ellen might be trying to grab on his leg and say, don't leave. I, no comment if you wouldn't be doing that. But, I mean, you know, and all of a sudden, just, you know, it's not a normal thing to do. No jetpack, nothing like that. Just all of a sudden started ascending. And so they're all they're all standing there just, you know, mouths wide open, gazing at him like hi. I mean, he's not like he said, okay, guys, get ready for this. I'm gonna show you a new one. Now it's not like that. They're all just, you know, in shock and they're watching, and then all of a sudden there's two more people standing with them that weren't there before. These men are these angels, they're all dressed in white. They stood there and they said, and, and Acts 1.11 says, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? I'm thinking, duh, why do you think? I mean, you know, look at this. But they say, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he'll return. Someday he'll return from heaven and in the, in the same way that you saw him go. Now that is amazing because when Jesus comes back he's going to come back physically he's going to come back in visible form physically where everyone can see him he's going to come back in the same way with his new body ever since then believers have been living in anticipation and longing for his return Jesus is coming back one day. He's coming back to judge the living and the dead. He's coming back to punish all wickedness. He will then rule as king over a new heaven and a new earth. And the events that culminate in that day are called the day of the Lord or that great day or the great and terrible day of the Lord because it's a time when the world will be judged and God's wrath is poured out on sin. His wrath is poured out on all, on, on all the evil in the world, all the wickedness in the world. And we generally don't like to talk about the wrath of God. But that's a part of, the, the, of, of who God is that we, that we in order to, to know who God is, we've got to know that. And there needs to be a place where we can talk about that. Um, you know, we like to talk about his love. We like to talk about his grace. We like to talk about his peace. But we need to talk about both because while as believers we are recipients of his grace, there's coming a day when his wrath is going to be poured out on the world, on those that don't know him. And on that day, Jesus will rule with justice and righteousness. You ever thought, you know, that's just not right. That's, that's not just. You know, we need justice. He's going to rule with justice and righteousness. Now, as Christians, we anxiously await that day when All wrongs are going to be made right. All wrongs. All the things you're thinking, that's just not right. All wrongs are going to be made right. And righteousness will rule. The enemies of God will suffer their final defeat 
and all things will be restored to God's original intent the way he wanted it in the first place in the Garden of Eden when he created the perfect environment and put man in that, in that, mankind in that environment without being, you know, with no taint of sin or, or, or anything like that. And that day, we need to realize that day is coming whether we are ready or not. Just as we prepared our hearts to look forward for Christ's birth, we're to look forward to when he comes again. So today, I want to look at how we can prepare ourselves for that day and what, what we need to do. And we're looking forward to that day, and then we're going to start talking about it. And, 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 and you know, what, what do we need to do? And the first thing we need to do is make sure that we are ready for it that we're ready for it. Whether we want to talk about it or not, the day is coming, so we need to be ready. It's not a question of if, you know, if he comes back. You know, are you or are you not coming back? It's not a question of if, it's a question of when, and then a question of when will be, when, a question of will we be ready? And we can be ready if we prepare. You know, in Matthew 24, the disciples ask Jesus, you know, when's all this going to happen? When are you going to come and establish your kingdom? When, you know, when, when, is, when is all this going to happen? And Jesus talked about a number of things that were going to happen. He talked about, you know, you watch for this and watch for that. And, and then he says this, however, he says, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. So you too must keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You, must, you, also, you also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Two things here I want us to see. This tells us, first off, it doesn't do any good to try to guess when Jesus is going to return. And our intent in this series is not to try to figure out when. It's not to try to figure out any kind of timeline. Our intent in this series is to get us to look for that day and be expecting that day and prepare for that day. People have tried over the years. They've tried and tried. They've set dates. They've sold books. Um, I remember one book, you know, 88 Reasons Why Jesus was gonna, is going to come back in 1988 or something like that. And then followed the next year, 89 Reasons by, you know, Why Jesus um, is going to come back in 1989, you know, and kind of a, a, a revised edition, you know. And I don't think that sold nearly as well as the first one, you know. Um, you know, and, and people have worked out all kinds of formulas. And you know something? At least they're consistent because they come up wrong every single time. Really, you know, anytime somebody sets a date and then, you know, there's one group that set a date, you know, and it didn't happen and it set another date and it didn't happen and it set another date and it didn't happen. Finally, we, they, they said, well, he did come back back. I don't know, it's like 1914 or something. He did come back, but he came back spiritually, you know, not physically. And and, you know, that's it's like, no, no, that's just it's 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 just wrong. He's going to come back physically. Just as the angels told the disciples uh, when, he, when Jesus ascended. Jesus said, nobody knows except the Father. That means we can't figure it out. Jesus himself 
did not know when he was on this earth. He did not know when he would return. I believe he knows it now. But when he was on this earth, he did not know, and he said that. So, second thing is, instead of trying to figure out when he's coming, what we need to do is to prepare so that we're always living in a state of readiness. Always living in the state where he could come back at any moment. You know, the, the Bible talks about, you know, the trumpet is going to sound, you know, we'll be ready. There was one time, I wouldn't do that now because I, I'm... Uh, more sensitive right now but when we were in harmony school i was talking about this one time and um there was a a, (laughs) uh, our keyboard player jim i told him now when you set your keyboard you know i want you to set a trumpet sound on it and i want you you know to have it operated at the foot pedal and turn it up loud and, you know, so he did that. He did that. And uh, I knew Jim, so I went over after he said it and uh, turned it up even more, cranked it up. And I'm talking, you know, and I'm walking back and forth and I'm talking about, you know, about, you know, being prepared and it could happen at any moment. And at one point, I just very nonchalantly went over there and stepped on the foot pedal. All of a sudden, boom, you know, there's a blast of a trumpet and everybody jumped. And the point was, if it was then, would you have been ready? Now, I had compassion on you, and um, I probably wouldn't get away with that anymore, so I did not do that. This Does anybody remember that? Anybody here remember that? Yeah, I probably blacked out and, prop, and you know, blacked it out of your memory. Anyway, um, so, you know, we need to be ready at any moment, and and. You know, because we don't know if it's if it's in the next hour. We don't know if it's a thousand years from now. We really do not know. But God does. Um, and Jesus uses an example here of a burglar. And he says, if you knew someone was going to break into your home, you would prepare and be ready, right? If you knew a burglar was coming, he's going to break in here, you'd be ready for him. Earlier this year, my granddaughter Lisa got a new bike for her birthday. Four days later was Easter. So, <clears throat> family's all over for Easter dinner, and my brother and his family were in from uh, Virginia, and you know we had a full packed house in that. And you know Lisa had ridden her bike over, parked it in our driveway right in front of the garage, and um, went out there at one point. She was going to, I think she was going to ride it home for something because, you know, 10 doors down the street. She's going to ride it home for something and went out and couldn't find her bike. And I'm, you know, we, she, she goes, can't, I can't find my bike. I said, what? And we went out there and looked. It wasn't there. So then we checked the uh, security camera and uh, saw that about 20 minutes earlier, somebody had ridden off with it. Now, if we had known that that guy was going to do that, where do you think we'd be? In the dining room or the living room or all over the house eating dinner? Or would we be out there in the driveway watching for him? So this guy, he, you know, he, 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 we didn't know he was coming, so we weren't prepared, and he took the bike. We didn't have the luxury of thinking, oh, you know, well... 
point is we don't know when that day's coming. And we don't, we didn't know that was coming. We don't know when Christ is going to return. Follow up on the bike story, though. We did have it on camera. And we plastered it all over social media. And everybody we knew around town shared it. And uh, somebody, you know, posted, oh, that looks like, you know, I don't know, like my ex something or other or whatever, you know. And 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 because uh, uh, we got a good shot of him on the camera. You know, his face was covered, but we got a good shot of him. And went all over social media. And later that evening, or later that night, I think just after midnight or something, uh, it was a return to our front yard, you know, this time avoiding the camera, you know, instead trying to hide behind the bushes in front of the front yard, but, you know, not realizing there was another camera. So we got him just, you know, returning it. Um, so we got the bike back fine. Um, it was only gone like a total of, I don't know, five, six hours, something like that. It's one thing social media is good for. <laughs> Second thing. We want to be busy. We want to be busy. In Luke 19, Jesus told a story about a man who took a, a trip to a distant country. And before he left, he called his servants together and he gave them each 10 minas of money. or ten, you know, he, he gave them each a bag of money. And he told them, put this money to work until I come back. Here's what we need to see. They didn't know when he was coming back. All they knew is that they had been given something and they been, had been given instructions of what to do with it. Just, just put it to work. Use it until, uh, the, uh, until I come back, he told them. Use it to earn more money for their master when he returned, whenever that would be. <clears throat> As you read the rest of the story, you see that some did what they were told, and they put it to use and, and, and used what they were given, and some didn't. Now, the ones that got busy and made the most of what they'd been given were commended and rewarded. And the ones that didn't use what they were given just kind of let it sit there, stuck it on a shelf until he came back. They were rebuked, and even what they had when, he came, when the master came back was taken away from them. <clears throat> Here's the thing. It doesn't matter that some were able to do more than others. You know, some earned double back, some earned, you know, half again back. It, it, that doesn't matter. What mattered is that each one did, each one used what they were given to use. We need to hear what's being said here. God has given each one of us some abilities, some talents, and some gifts. And he wants us to use them. Now, I'm not saying we should be, you know, busy doing something all the time and never resting and never relax. I'm, I'm not saying that. But if God's given us something, we should be using it. We should be using it for him. God expects us to use what he's given us. The Apostle Peter uh, uh, says this in um, talking about spiritual gifts. And, there, you know, there's a lot more that's involved in spiritual gifts, a lot more than just that. But this is what he's talking about with gifts. In 1 Peter 4.10, he says, 
God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Which, by the way, spiritual gifts aren't just the ones we think of in, in 1 Corinthians. He's given, there's a great variety of them. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So he says, I've given you something, use it. And that's what he wants each of us to do. Each of us have an ability or have a gift or have been given something that, that we can use in a way to serve others. It may be something very visible. It may be something behind the scenes that nobody ever sees. That doesn't matter. It may be that we've given a lot, been given a lot. It may be we've been given a little. The question is not how much have we been given. In the story that we just read, they were all given the same amount. But it doesn't always work all that way in, in, in all of our lives. You know, some have been given much, some little. And, and the, the, the fact is not how much were you given. The fact is, or the question is, what are we doing with it? Are we utilizing it? Are we using it? God wants us to use what we have to serve others and to do his work. He doesn't want us to bury it in the ground. He doesn't want us to leave it sitting on a shelf. He doesn't want us to pretend that it's not there or wish we had something else instead. He doesn't want us to see it as insignificant. He wants us to do one thing with it. Utilize it. And here's the interesting thing. If you're faithful to use what God's given you, you'll find that it will begin to multiply and you'll be able to do much more with what you have than you ever thought you could. So as a church, as individuals, as a corporate body, we need to be busy. Now, yes, we need to balance that with times of rest. I'm not saying that we don't. I'm just saying that because that's, that's all a part of it. I, I, I'm just saying that we need to be doing what God's told us to do. So look at what God's given you. Don't wait thinking, you know, I don't have enough to make a difference. You do. You do. You have more than what you think. And you can make more of a difference in somebody's life than you know because somebody is watching you. Somebody is watching you and seeing, watching what you do with what you've been given. You know, I may not have been given much, but when Jesus returns, I want him to find me busy using what I've been given. Now, the third thing I want us uh, to look at is that when Jesus returns, this has to do with, the, this third one has to do with the way we live our lives. I want to be found blameless. I want to be blameless in how I'm living my life. The Apostle Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, in fact, both letters to the Thessalonians, he talks a lot about the return of the Lord. And he starts out, uh, uh, starts to close the letter out, and he says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again blameless my desire and god's desire is that i would be found living a blameless life when jesus returns now understand something when i say blameless i'm not saying perfect okay i'm not saying we live a perfect life there's a difference what i mean by it is this we live our lives in such a way that no one can find fault 
about how we're living our life. When we do something wrong, as soon as we do it, as soon as we're aware of it, we stop doing what's wrong and we start doing what's right. You know what that's called? There's a biblical word for it. It's repentance. You know, we become aware of something that, that, that doesn't please the Lord. We say, well, I'm going to stop that and turn around and do the opposite. If we need to apologize, we apologize. If we need to make restitution, we make restitution. But we do what we can to make it right. You know, if you're driving in a car and you get in an accident, I won't ask for a show of hands. We've, most of us have been there. Uh, but you get in an accident and you turn in a claim to the insurance company. And once the claim is, is approved, the insurance company is responsible for something. You know what they're responsible for, be for doing? They're responsible for repairing the damage or restoring the car to the condition it was in before the accident. Okay? That's what they're responsible for. The condition it was in before the accident. If you get, you know, smash up the, the left front quarter panel and you also have the right rear quarter panel that's dented in, you know, but this claim is for the left front, you, you, you know, they'll restore that. They won't restore that back there. They restore it to the condition that it was in. It means that the thing was made right. When you walk blamelessly, we're living as God wants us to live, and we make things right. If we miss the mark in an area, we make things right as soon as we become aware of it. That's the kind of life that God wants us to be living when Jesus returns. We do something wrong, we confess it and make it right. Fourth aspect of being ready is to live with an air of expectancy. And this one, I think, is for me, is I, I can't say that I always do this, but I want to. I mean, if you ask me and I think of it, yes, I'm expecting but I'm always, am I always aware of that? Hebrews 9.28 says, Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again uh, not to deal with our sins because, you know, it says that because he's already done that. You know, that's what the cross was all about. For, for believers, he's not coming to deal with our sins. He's already done that. So he says he will come again not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are what? Who are eagerly waiting for him. You know, one of the things that I love about the Advent season is that there's an ever-building sense of anticipation in the air. You can feel it. There's, a, there's an excitement. There's an anticipation. Every, every year in December, our family takes a, a family day, uh, and also known as, you know, Nashville Day, Brown County Day, whatever, where the whole family, you know, goes down to, to, to Nashville, and we walk around, we visit the shops, we have lunch together, the kids ride the glass elevator, you know, up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down, and the, they play the, the giant Jenga game, you know, and and, you know, we, we, you know, argue about whether should we should eat lunch at Big Woods Pizza or at the Hobnob, you know, and, and there's, a, there's a little division there, but, you know, it's okay. Hobnob was closed, so then we ended up at Big Woods Pizza, which I can recommend, you know, that place is awesome. Anyway, both of them are. 
walk around, and it's, there's just, as you walk around, there's just this feeling in the air. There's this, you know, Christmas coming. Christmas, especially if, unlike this year, we walk and there's a snow falling. Snow falling as we're walking around the town, you know. Even if we don't buy a whole lot, except for, you know, like the candy emporium at that licorice corner. Oh, man, that's good. Anyway, even if we don't buy anything other than that, you know, uh, uh, there's an anticipation. There's an excitement. You can feel it. There's an expectancy in the air. You know, and in similar fashion, the thought of Jesus Christ returning to earth to rule for all eternity should give us a sense of anticipation. Now, you may think, well, I've been waiting for this all my life. Let me ask you something. Do you ever get halfway through December and just, oh, I'm done with it, forget Christmas, and not give it another thought? Now, you may feel worn out and say, I'm done with all the prep. But there's a no, there's a, it, it builds. There's an antition and anticipation that builds. And then we come together for our Christmas Eve service. And it's just so, I, I, so many people, it's their favorite service of the year because there's this anticipation toward it. And it's just, you know, the beauty and, and, and everything that takes place. That's how it should be with when we think of Jesus Christ returning to earth to rule for eternity, to be with us forever, should create an air of expectancy in our lives, should create an, an, a sense of anticipation in our lives. I mean, I, you know, how often, though, do we wonder, could it be today? When is it going to be? Hurry up, Lord. Come soon. Maranatha. Let's come soon, Lord Jesus. Come soon. We're, we're, we're waiting. We're anticipating. We don't know when he's going to return, but we do know he's coming back. And the disciples lived with the expectation that it could be any day. You ever wonder, you know, look at the, the disciples' lives in the, in the book of Acts and wonder, you know, how did they have that much, you know, going on for them how did they live the lives like that it's because they lived in expectation that jesus christ is going to come back at any time at any day it could be every day brings his brings us one day closer he's coming back for a bride his church for a church that's eagerly looking for him What's one of the reasons that I want to do this series now so that we are looking for his return, so that we are ready for his return? Because we've not talked about it a lot. We've mentioned it in passing. But that's all it's been. It's in passing. You know, I and mean, we have communion. We talk about doing this until he returns. And we say, yes, he is coming back. But do we eagerly anticipate his return? You know, so, so during this series, we're going to talk about things like the Great Tribulation. Okay, it's a seven-year period before Christ returns, unlike anything that the world has seen before. So we're going to talk about what does it look like? What is it? You know, what's, it, what's its place in all of this? Will the church be here for it, or will we escape it? You know, we're going to look at, at, at things like that and how we can be ready. And how can we know? How can we know the, the, the things that we're saying? How can we know about, you know, whether we'll be here for the, for the tribulation or whether the church will be taken out or, as, you know, the term is used as raptured? You know, how do we know these things? It's important that we look at these things because the one thing that we do know for certain 
is that Jesus is coming again, whether we are ready or not. And I want to be ready. I want each one of us to be ready. So we're going to be talking about all these things over the next few weeks. Because the fact is, we can be ready. We can live our lives ready so that we are not caught off guard. Let's stand. Receive this benediction. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God bless you. Have a great week. Those who have memorial poinsettias, uh, you can go ahead and, and take them as you leave today. Um, and let them bless your house or wherever you're taking them. God bless. We'll see you next week.